Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. How and why virtual races are the answer this year. This has been a crazy time of year with all of the spring races being canceled and many of our summer races are now following suit. We were actually scheduled to do a podcast today on the Grandma's Marathon course preview, which is every year up in Duluth, Minnesota. It's one of the fastest courses and one of the only marathons that's ran in June that has a good chance of BQ or OTQ. But it, along with thousands of other races this spring and summer, has been canceled. As athletes, we are now faced with the decision to either not race at all or to participate in these virtual races. Prior to COVID-19 and social distancing, I don't think many distance runners participated in these virtual races, but now they are all the rage and I am seeing athletes of all ability levels participating in them. I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who is a coach here at Run for PRs. He has been coaching for over 10 years, and he also has a lot of experience himself as a runner. He has been running for about 20 years now um, as a competitive athlete, and we are just here to chat about you know virtual races and all of the things that are you know different this year than other years in the past and how we can approach that to get the most out of our fitness and to also just stay in a positive headspace because I think during this time, it's really important to maintain a sense of normalcy and positivity as much as possible, even though things are definitely challenging and it can be foreign territory for us. <clears throat> so I guess, Jason, um, have you participated in any virtual races at all? And when was the first time that you ever heard of <clears throat> a virtual race? Yeah, so actually my first time hearing about virtual races was probably about four years ago. I was working and one of my colleagues who was a teacher, um, she was telling me that she has never done a real road race, but she does virtual races. And she told me about how she gets the medal and stuff. So I found it interesting. And, um, you know, at the time, I wasn't sure why people would opt for those, you know, options as opposed to real races, but, you know, teach their own. And I think it gives some people the just a little bit more comfortability, like doing the race on their own terms and not having to worry about being around others and being judged and all of that. So um, that was kind of the first time I, I heard about them. And, you know, obviously over the years, we've seen we've seen the virtual running community sort of take off a little bit. We've seen virtual ra- um, gear bags and, um, you know, packet pickups and stuff like that. And, um, you know, as soon as COVID-19 hit, we at Run for PRs thought, obviously a great opportunity to offer some virtual races. And um, the 5K that we just had a, um, oh, a few weeks ago now, it was uh, my first time ever doing a virtual race. It was just something that, you know, I didn't really plan ahead too much as far as like the route. I kind of planned it that day or the day before, but I did approach it like a race. Like I went through the same, um, you know, warm up regimen that I would do. I mean, really the only difference was uh, not having people around me. And 
I did in my mind kind of have my my goal for a time, but also my paces that I wanted to try to hit at each mile marker. And I think, you know, just going about it that way, it made it kind of feel real. And there's been a lot of races I've done where I've gone through, you know, patches of the races where I'm alone anyway. So for me, it wasn't too different, but, um, you know, it's always nice to have people around you. And I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot today about some of those challenges and changes, you know, virtual races compared to real races. But that was the first time I'd ever done one. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to some of the others that we're offering here coming up throughout the summer, specifically the one mile, um, and then those 5k options that we have as well as the four miler on the 4th of July. Right. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to hear, you know, your perspective on the 5k itself. You were, you know, the 5k winner, the run for PR's virtual 5k. Um, and there were a lot of people that kind of showed up and, and really gave it their all. But what's really interesting about it is hearing how you said, you know, you were still able to push yourself even in those environments. And so, um, I think the time you ran uh, was in the mid 16s. How would that have compared to, um, if you would have been, on a road race, in your opinion, like, did you think it was easier than you anticipated, harder? Um, and how did you, like, stay motivated out there alone to go at such a fast pace when, you know, like, did you ever have moments of, like, doubt or, like, what's the point? Um, and how did you get through those? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, at the beginning, it felt maybe a little harder just because you know, when you think about a 5k race, you start and there's a big rush of people that sprint out to the front. And so it's really easy for you to kind of dial back your effort. But I really approached this with an effort-based mindset where I knew I wasn't going to, you know, run super hard and I wanted it to feel controlled about 90, you know, to 94% effort, um, especially early on. So I, I made sure that my paces were kind of right on. And, um, once I got to, I would say the heart, the only hard part was about the last half mile or so. That's really when I started to probably felt close to hundred percent effort. And I, you know, at least 98%, and I was finding it difficult to, you know, convince myself why I should maintain my pace or why I should try to finish strong or try to even pick it up a bit. So that was the challenge. Um, but I just kept reminding myself, like, this is the kind of the flat stretch. I'm kind of with the wind now. Um, you know, I, I knew in my head that I was on pace to run a negative split because I looked at my watch at, at about 1.55 and I kind of knew. And so I was just using everything I could to kind of remind myself why I wanted to keep going. I had a time in my head that I wanted to beat. Um, and as far as comparing that to a real race, this, you know, a real race with other people, I think obviously I would have been a little faster just having people to run, you know, finish a stronger kick with, for example, if you're trying to pass people. But I think I think there's times in races where you decide to make a move or you commit to maybe going with the pack. And I think that that can help you run a faster time. Um, there's also times where maybe you make the decision to scale it back and you, you slow down a little bit and that conserves some energy for a stronger finish. So I think knowing, you know, for me, because I'm, I'm a fairly experienced racer and I've done a lot of like hard workouts and, you know, not so many time trials like that, but I, I don't think that it really affected me as much as it might other people who, um, aren't really as used to, you know, pushing themselves in those environments as often, you know, as Victoria said, I've been running for 20 years. So I've done a ton of 5Ks, lots of college races that were between, you know, the mile up to the 8K, which is five miles. So um, I think I've learned to, to not rely so much on, you know, my surroundings in order to really push myself. Um, but I would say probably 10, 15 seconds at the most, I could have shaved off had it been a real race, um, you know, on that exact same course. Right. I think that's so interesting to hear, you know, because a lot of people have this 
you know, picture of virtual races and sometimes it kind of gets that negative like vibe. Like, why would I go out and do that? Like, what's the point? Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, prior to the social distancing, they, they felt like maybe they wouldn't be able to run a fast time or they think that if they were to, you know, do a fast workout where they maybe hit a PR or a time they're really proud of, they would feel like, oh, it doesn't count because it wasn't in a race. Because I know we kind of have that stigma as as athletes, but it's really interesting to hear and see that you were able to go out there and run, you know, like a 16, whatever you ran, um, you know, 520 pace um, out there alone. And even for myself, you know, going out there, it was, uh, you know, at first it was like, where's the motivation coming from? You know, there's there's no crowd. So like you said at the beginning, it's not like I had any of that race day adrenaline or nerves, which is almost like a benefit. Um, but then getting into the race and, you know, you do have those moments of like, what's the point? But, you know, as I had one of those moments, you know, halfway through the 5k where I'm, you know, trying to, to run it, I think I just ran just under 19 minutes. Um, but we all know if that would have been a real course with, you know, it would have been like 13.15. They always are 3.15 instead of the 3.1. Cause you're able to stop your watch like right away. So, you know, going that fast and pushing yourself that hard, I think, you know, there's always that voice, at least in my head when I'm in a real race anyways, like, you know, you could just slow down a little bit. Cause chances are, you know, in a race, someone is going to be passing you or close to you. And there's a lot of times where I don't follow lead, especially if it's like a guy, because if a guy passes me at the end of a race, it's hard to match the speed of someone who, you know, maybe was doing it as a workout or whatever. So it can be, I don't know, I think I get those feelings in a race anyways. So for me, when I was doing my virtual 5k, I just said, you know what, this is how you feel when you normally race. So just kind of giving myself a little pep talk there to keep going and not give up. But I do think it was hard to like, to not just like completely DNF. Cause I know I've had times during 5Ks where like, you literally want to walk off the course. And the only thing that stops me from doing that is the fact that there's spectators or other people around. Um, Cause it's like, you're going so fast. And I hate that like anaerobic y, like, ugh, I just don't like dipping into that. So when you get to like one and a half, two miles um, in those shorter races, it can be really tempting to just throw on the towel. But I think, you know, for me, I just, just like, yeah, just slow down if you need to. And then, you know, finish strong. And, and it, it was just like a regular race, which I thought was very interesting. Um, but I, then that kind of brings up a point. Um, you know, we we're talking about the 5k here. We did the 10k um, at the time this is recording, you know, the half marathons coming up in the marathon. Do you think that it's harder or easier for shorter races or do you think it would be kind of the same regardless um, of what the distance is in terms of how much harder it is to do alone versus in a race? That's a really good question and it the answer to that may depend on uh, you know who you're talking to because some people's um, two cents on that might be, well, I can really push myself you know, in a distance race and I don't need people around me when I say distance race, I guess I'm referring to like anything 10k or up, you know, and so I know we have the half marathon coming up. um, And, you know, at the time this is recorded. So for those people, they might be able to go out and run fairly similar. A lot of times you're alone in a half marathon anyways, if it's a small local race, because it gets so spread out. Um, But, you know, so I I think it's going to be harder in the shorter races, to be honest, Um, personally, because, you know, when you think about the mile, you know, first of all, if you have a road mile in your area, it's probably 
you're, you have people to run with because it's such a short race, right? And so there's always people that like be passing and be chasing and it goes by so fast, right? So I think the shorter the race, I think the harder it is if you're by yourself. Cause like, like you said, what's the motivation? You're in that anaerobic zone and it's really hard to push through it. Um, when you're just going for, you know, yourself, I mean, you maybe have a time in, in your mind that you want to hit, but um, you're not doing as many, you know, check-ins on the watch as well. So it's hard to know if you're even on pace. Um, but the longer the race, I would say for me, you know, it becomes more of a running off of effort. And so you're thinking about, um, you know, I'm going to run controlled. I'm going to run, you know, 80% effort or whatever. And, you know, especially if I'm doing a half. Um, and, you know, we've done long tempo runs. So I, I just think for my, my own um, two cents on the issue would be that it's a little bit easier the longer the race. But... Um, you, there might be someone out there who disagrees with me. They might say it's totally the opposite for them because they need the people and they want the crowd support and all that stuff that goes into it. Um, same with the fueling. You know, if you have your fueling stop set up for you in your half, every you have hydration stations every couple of miles, that, that can definitely help too. So um, I just, for me, I think where I'm at with my, you know, how many races I've done, I think um, it'd probably be, it's going to be a toss up, but probably looking at, uh, three to five percent faster in a real race as opposed to a virtual, um, you know, situation. Yeah, I find that really interesting because at first, you know, I suspected your answer, and most other people would assume, you know, long races it's going to be harder to do by yourself. But you know, as I'm listening to your answer and just kind of reflecting, it's like, no, that totally makes sense because. You know, it's it's that race day adrenaline that I think can get you to dip into those anaerobic zones and just like get super pumped up and jacked up and it lets you run that extra fast speed. Uh, but if you don't have that adrenaline going, if, you, if you're not all jacked up, like you're not able to, you know, push as deep into the well. And so I think for those shorter distance races, you have to d- dig really deep into the well for a very short period of time. So you need that like you know, that jack up and that, that adrenaline. Um, so like I'm thinking one mile races, you know, in particular, I've only done a handful, but the ones where I have ran my fastest and, you know, had to my potential, they've always been in races, which doesn't always, you know, make a lot of sense. Cause it's like, they're more, you know, you might be trapped in, you might not be able to, you know, get all of the tangents perfectly, but what it does have is the people around you in that race day adrenaline. Whereas I've done time trials by myself one mile outside and I'm extremely disappointed by how slow I run mm-hmm. because I'm like, I know in a race, I run 26 per mile faster. And it's it's really um, interesting to hear you say that because I do think there's a lot of truth to that. There have been a lot of times where I myself during those longer training runs, you know, 10, 13 miles, uh, 16 milers in a marathon training cycle where you have a great run where, you know, you finish super strong. And I think running marathon pace alone or running, you know, closer to threshold pace alone is a lot easier. Um, And even just thinking about all my athletes, it's like that tends to be the type of pace that people can overdo and do for a longer period of time and always feel good doing. Um, So I think what we're going to see you know, is that the 10 mile race, the half marathon races, they're going to do um, really well. Whereas, you know, the shorter distance ones, they might be harder to, to dip into that next gear, but at least what we're going to see on the shorter ones is probably less people going out super hard because they don't have that race right. day adrenaline. So there's actually pros and cons, you know, to both things. And I think, you know, the bottom line is like, we can't really control what is going on right now. Like all the races being canceled, like none of us expected this. None of us like 
can control it by any means. Um, and it's definitely not what we're used to. I mean, Jason, you've been running for 20 years. You've never seen anything like this happen. Um, obviously we've had races canceled on us, but there was always like a backup plan. And so I think, you know, just during this time, it, it gives us an option. Um, but then it raises a good point. It's like, should all athletes be taking advantage of these virtual races? Um, how many should we be doing and what sort of like guidance and guidelines do you have for people who just don't really know what they're doing and they don't know what to expect? Um, we don't even know what fall races are going to look like as of right now. So it's hard to know um, what sort of advice would you give to someone about virtual races? It's a really good point. And again, this, there's no right or wrong answer here. I just think that, you know, most of us, we probably didn't race much all, you know, all winter, especially if you live in the North, but um, your springtime was kind of the time to do your first race and, you know, those were all canceled. So now if you, if you think about not potentially racing until fall, um, and who knows, like you said, what's going to happen in the fall, but you're looking at, you know, anywhere from six to, to 10 months of potentially not racing. And that's why I think that these races do kind of, they help us in preventing us from getting rusty. And we can try to, you know, increase some fitness, especially like, um, if that's all you have to look forward to on the, on the near future on the calendar, um, is a virtual race, then that could maybe help spark and motivate your training to be consistent and to string together maybe, um, higher mileage or some more speed work or whatever it is you're trying to work on to increase your fitness. Um, I think that that can help you when you get back to your, you know, racing regular races, but I think there's no wrong answer about how frequent, um, similar to regular races, you know, there's those people that like to go and they run them almost every weekend they'll run a local 5k but thinking about like you know which ones are you going to exert an a effort on that that is going to be important for you to really think about um you know the the people that you're seeing running prs in these virtual races they're probably people that their training was going pretty well and they they had a race in mind that they were going to target this spring and training was going well and they probably would have got a chance to pr at that race um so their fitness is there and that's why you're seeing them being able to go out and run a a 5k PR or a 10k PR. We just had that as well. You'll probably see some people in the half, um, and the 10 mile coming up, like Victoria said. Um, and I think that for some people, you know, you don't have to go hundred percent, you know, all out every single virtual race. You can, you can take some kind of easy, um, you know, and, and I know some of our coaches did that in the 10k, you know, maybe give it a harder effort in the 5k. And then two weeks later, we took it easier in the 10k. So, I think that you can do them every couple of weeks. They don't all have to be, you know, 100% efforts. Pick the distances that kind of entice you and get you excited. Um, but, you know, there's no need to go out and try to hammer it all the time. And, you know, if you don't want to do any, I think that that's okay too. But I think that just know that sometimes it's hard when you step away this long from racing. It's hard to get back. And I think that it's good to just do do a couple throughout the year, especially if, you know, if we do start getting in the fall and those races are canceled, well, then we're talking about, you know, longer period of like 12 months or even longer of without racing. So then you have to start thinking about, should I be doing a virtual race then just to kind of keep myself, prevent myself from getting too, um, you know, content with not racing. And I just think going through the whole motion of, uh, preparing a race, warming up, you know, the nerves that are associated with it, all of that, it's good. Um, obviously physically, but also I think more so mentally, um, to have to go through that. Yeah, I think that really brings up a good point that maybe some people don't think about. You know, we don't know how long this is going to last in terms of races being canceled. And, you know, if you haven't raced, if it's getting up into the couple of months now, it might be a good idea to go out there and try one of these things. Um, on one of my runs the other day, I was actually thinking about 
what's the longest stretch of time I have ever gone without running a race? Um, and I, it was from, I think, the fall of 2012 until the late spring of 2013. So it was an eight-month stretch. My first race back was actually a marathon. It was my first marathon. Um, and it was an awful experience. And so what I think is just really funny about that, and then I spent the rest of that year of 2013 actually like relearning how to race. It's like I totally forgot how. Um, I didn't run to my potential in a lot of the races. And, you know, there could have been a lot of factors there. Like I had just graduated from college. It was a stressful time, you know, trying to start your career and find a place to live and all of those things. But I do remember it feeling like, geez, I'm kind of starting over from scratch here. Um, Even though I had ran consistently for those eight, nine months, I never was doing um, all out efforts or, you know, workouts where I was really pushing it. I think if, if someone in their training is doing a lot of workouts consistently and really pushing themselves, I don't think it'll be as big of a problem. But if you're just kind of staying in that easy zone for a lot of your runs and you're just not feeling it um, for months and months and months, like let's say you get to month three or four of that, um, I do think that it will be hard to break that rust and to race again. The other stretch of time where I went without racing, I think was like a six or seven month stretch from when I was eight months pregnant to four months postpartum. Um, or something like that. And that, that stretch was actually even not as difficult as the eight month stretch. So it's like the longer you go, I really do think, um, it can become more challenging. And some people might think, well, it doesn't count because I'm doing outside by myself, but really it's, it's about the effort that's there. So if you go with the intention and the effort of pushing yourself, that in itself is all that really gets rusty. And so you talk about we want to have those rust busters, you can do that by yourself, right? That's why we have people do time trials um, if they haven't raced frequently. Um, but another thing I think a lot of people fear is that you know you go out there to do a rust buster and it can definitely be daunting because it's the fear of not running to your potential. It's that like, oh, I don't want to be you know set further back than where I was because it can be really difficult. I know you know this firsthand. Um, let's say you were just in like sub 16 minute 5k shape and here you are a year later, you can't break, you know, 17, which I know you've experienced that where it's like all of a sudden you, you got slower by a minute or two or three in the 5k and shoot, this is really my starting point. And I think it can be hard to have that as kind of a reality check, but I do think it's important to assess and be honest with yourself about where you are in your current training, because if you start to fall off track there and then um, you're not adjusting your paces, you're actually just going to dig yourself into a deeper hole. And I know we've talked about stuff like this before. It's really important to be training for the paces you're at. Um, and so that's why it's important to do rust busters and to stay in a place where you feel comfortable doing a time trial or a virtual race so that we can make sure that you're in the shape that we think you're in. Um, maybe that means we want to make sure, you know, a lot of people do progress. And so it's important to test that progression, but there are some people maybe who've been running, you know, for 20 plus years, like you, um, taking a couple of months off of racing and all that stuff, it has different implications. And I think just depending on your fitness level and how long you've been running, regardless of any of this, it's important to retest fitness because it does change. Um, so in terms of, you know, making these things 
fun or exciting because I know that we both kind of have that, oh, I don't want to go out there and like push it by myself. Like it can be difficult. Um, What are some things that people can do to get excited or ways that you can like map out a course to like get pumped up about it? Something that's not like, oh, it's so hilly around here because I know a lot of people complain like they live in hilly areas. What are some ways that you can negate that so you're not, you know, seeing terrible times because it's super hilly or because you had a headwind the whole time? Yeah, I think, you know, that's what's fun about these is you can get super creative with the planning. Um. You can, you know, if you have help, you might be able to do like a point to point or you could always warm up and cool down and stuff like that from one point to the next. But um, going online and, you know, utilizing the, you know, the Google Maps or the Map My Run to figure out, you know, uh, course elevation profiles so that you have an idea. Um, Obviously, that can all change if if it's super windy and you don't want to run into a headwind. Um, But I think and that's kind of the reason why I waited till the day before to figure out my route. But there, you know, it's fun to just kind of get creative and think about what route is going to be nice as far as um, where I'm going to feel safe. I'm not going to have to worry about slowing down, approaching an intersection or, um, you know, stop sign, stuff like that. And so, you know, not an overly crowded route as well. I know there are parts of the country right now that seem to be super crowded, like around the lakes and Minneapolis and stuff. So um, just finding, just being creative with the course. And I think, you know, you can when we start varying the distances a bit, I think that's really when it's going to be fun. You might do something totally different or you may kind of extend from the previous course that you did. If, if now you're running a 10 K and it was a five K last week, you might do double and either add in a lap or just extend the finish somewhere else. And so I think it just really gives you a sense of, um, you know, freedom to choose and to pick something that you feel is you're going to take pride in. So whether that is a chance for a PR, then yeah, you might want to look for flat or downhill, but maybe you want something that's semi-challenging and like an average course. That way you get a good feel for kind of what shape you're, you're really in because let's say most of your races are on hilly courses. So then, you know, that might be something you want to consider. So I think it just gives you, you know, the, the option to really um, individualize the race and, um, you know, if you, if you know friends or, um, you know, fellow runners in your area, you can always team up and, and talk about what races they've done or courses they've used. And it's kind of cool to post on the social media pages too and find out where people are interested in running. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, make the courses faster if that's really what you're going after is that, that end time goal. Like let's say you're really close to a PR. Like you were saying, I think, you know, finding downhills, finding flat stretches, um, and then also like the track sometimes is an option, you know, I'm, I'm surprised, but the one near our house is still open. So we're not asking you to like hop fences and break the rules here, but if yours happens to be open, go for it. Um, there's also a really like flat stretch of path near our house. And it's like, I wouldn't personally want to do, you know, loops of, the, of a half mile, but if, if, you know, I was really close to a PR and I, I knew like I could utilize that flat stretch, it might be worth it. Um, but another thing to keep in mind is where you're running the routes near your house are probably the same routes that you're going to be doing a lot of your training on anyways. And so I always like to think of it as, you know, if you do a time trial or a virtual race on the route that you typically run on, it's going to have a similar, you know, elevation change as what you're used to. Um, it's going to be something that's, it's going to be just like what you're training on. So if you go out and you do a time trial on something that has a similar elevation change to what your typical day-to-day training is going to look like, it actually is going to help you more to figure out the exact paces that you should be running 
on that type of road. So, you know, I did my 5k in an area that's similar to where I do all of my workouts, right? Um, a little bit of it was on the track, but then I also kind of use this path and there was some inclines and whatnot, but I think that that allowed me to figure out like the fitness place that I was at based on my typical running routes. Whereas, you know, if you live in a really, really hilly place like Colorado and you're doing all of your workouts on those hilly, you know, running routes already, it might be advantageous to you to do a time trial on those hilly routes because then when you go to do your workouts like let's say you have a six mile tempo you have to do you're actually going to be able to know exactly what pace you should be running on those hillier routes um, because you did a time trial on them so you know there's pros and cons to finding the the perfect downhill stretch to do your time trial on or your virtual race um but there's also, you know, there's benefits to doing it on, you know, hilly, hilly route too. And plus it also works your mental toughness. You know, a lot of the races that people sign up for are not totally flat. And so if you're out there doing all these virtual races and it's hilly, um, next time you run a flat course, it's going to feel a lot easier. Um, so I guess, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up and thinking about things, uh, a lot of people maybe are listening and they're wondering, you know, what's even the point? Like, maybe people would stop their watches. How do we know people are being honest? Um, what do you have to say to that? And like, what advice do you give to people who like don't trust it or they think, you know, the results are fake or it's, it's not fair because, you know, someone might be running down a mountain or all of those things. Yeah. So, um, why are we caring and worrying so much about what others are doing? You know, it's not like any of us are using these times to qualify us for Boston or Olympic trials or anything like that. It's more of just a pride thing. Um, and I, as far as stopping your watch, like, you know, there could be many reasons for it. If, if they ran into traffic or if they're doing it, try, trying to, um, you know, take a short breath so they can recoup energy, obviously that's, that's kind of on them. And they're going to know like, hey, their effort would not be the same. Most likely their time would not be the same in a real race where the clock keeps running the whole time. So it's just something they're going to have to live with. But I won't worry too much about what other people are doing. It's kind of like right now when you see people out who aren't really following the social distancing guidelines, mm -hmm. like there's not much we can do about it. We just worry about ourselves and be honest. Um, I think that if you want to count the PR as a PR, I, I think it's fine. I mean, you, you know, there's, there's downhill marathons now people can go do and you can run a PR there and yes, it counts and you can even qualify for Boston. And, you know, if you truly run the distance and you PR, it's probably because you've been training well and you're, you're pretty fit. And so, you know, I think that, um, if you're fit enough to PR in like a regular race, you're probably fit enough to do it in a virtual, um, unless you, you know, we're only going to do it by a hair, you know, that's obviously a different story that you might, you might've needed the race atmosphere to get over that hump. But, you know, most people that you see PR, all those people we post about that PR by minutes and several minutes, you know, they, they could do it in a virtual, I'm sure. Um, so that's kind of my stance on the whole PR thing. And, you know, you, you can make of it what you, what you want for these races. And, um, again, we just need something to kind of look forward to, right? Like it's, it's, it could be a long time before we get to re do real races again. And so this gives us a, something to look forward to on the weekends. Um, it gives us something to kind of align our training with as we look ahead so that we can hopefully start to continue to build and progress as runners. Because if we have these really, you know, str strong goals that we want to meet in the fall or even in next year in 2021, let's say we want to be cute, we need to be starting to make, you know, the proper progress towards those goals and strive 
towards them. So I think that that's where these races can be beneficial. Yeah, that that's a good point to, you know, focus on you and focus on kind of what you're doing. Um, I know, you know, when I first launched the virtual races back, it was like March 12th, we came up with the idea and I got a couple direct messages on Instagram that was like, well, how will you know, like, how will you be verifying times? And, you know, obviously, like, I don't check every single person's, but, you know, in the Strava group, you are actually able to click on view analysis of a run. Um, And in that, it says elapsed time versus, like, moving time or whatever. So I can actually see, like, are these people stopping their watches? Um, I'm not, I wouldn't, I don't think I would really, like, be a super enforcer of it. But I did scan, you know, a lot of people's times just to see kind of like, are people, you know, stopping their watch? Do people fall, you know, the the whole don't stop your watch thing? Um, And everyone who I looked at, it's like they didn't stop their watch. They were out there. And I think really what this shows is people are doing this because they want to push themselves and they're treating it like it's a race because we're in such a weird time right now where people who like they wanted to go to a race, they wanted to race, they want to push themselves, are now forced into this situation where my only option is to do a virtual race. And so the reason that they sign up for this is because they want to feel like they're kind of a part of a community, even though it's distant, it's still online, but they're able to, you know, race on the same day as other people. And it's not about like, the glory of, oh, I won the race or I got third place or 10th place or whatever. Um, it's just about pushing yourself and, and showing up for you and, and doing what you were going to do um, originally. And so I think a lot of people are coming at it with that attitude and everyone's in the same boat as, you know, you, if you're a doubter, um, they all, they all kind of were doubters at first. I have so many people that were like, what? I, I, this is dumb. I don't want to do it. Um, especially, you know, when I first came out with it, a lot of people didn't want to do it. Not as many people did the 5k as the 10k. And now, you know, after the 10k weekend, people are like, oh my gosh, everyone's doing this. And, um, I think it's really just starting to spark interest in other people because people are starting to realize like these are really our only options during this time. And so it's something um, that you can really do to push yourself. And I think, you know, they're going to become something that's, that's, going to happen a lot this year. So I think it's good to stay open to it and just to remember it's the honor system and keeping everything um, honorable and, you know, only, you know, what you did out there. So be truthful in that. And I think 99% of people will, um, just like in every other, you know, road running event um, out there. So we loved to chat with you today about all these virtual races. It's kind of a new thing for us, and I'm sure it's new for you as well. Maybe you're, you know, a longtime virtual race fan. I'm not sure where you fall in this, but if you ever want to try one of our virtual races, they're completely free. You can find us on Strava if you search Team Run for PRs, and you can just join any of the races for free at any time. Um, to get more details on our virtual races, you can go to www.runforprs.co, fill out the form on our website, and we will send out um, emails about the races and where you can submit your results for that. So thanks for tuning in and until next time.